Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in such a wonderful time. How many enjoyed just being in God's presence this morning? Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that, that those songs were in line with what I'm going to share today. Let it be Jesus. Amen. Lift your hands. Just say, let it be Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been following uh, over the last three months, we have been doing a series from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. We've been doing this series on the foundations of our faith. And this morning, we are going to do look into the fifth foundation of our faith, and it is called the resurrection of the dead. We looked at righteousness from God. We looked at faith. We looked at doctrine of baptisms. We looked at laying on of hands. And we looked at, well, those are the four things we looked at. Of course, we looked at it over three months now. And today, I'm going to look at the fifth foundation. The Bible calls an elementary principle, basic foundational principle of our faith. And it is so elementary that it is not really spoken about so much. And if we don't have a clear clarity and understanding about this foundational principle, we will not live a life of hope and vision unto the Lord. Bible says this belief of the resurrection of the dead, that those who have died, the Bible says they will resurrect from the dead. Whether we like it, whether we know how, whether we don't know how, the Bible says if you die, the Bible says you will resurrect. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I will resurrect. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Some of you husbands, wife looking at each other and say, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the truth is the Bible says, whatever we have done in the flesh, whether we've done good or evil in life, the Bible says we will resurrect from the dead. It is a foundational elementary article in the system of our Christian faith. It lies at the foundation of all our hopes, all our hopes about the future, all our hopes about what God wants to do in and through our lives. In fact, the resurrection from the dead is the very reason why we are careful today how we live. If there was no resurrection from the dead, what would it matter how we live? There would, nothing would make a difference. There would, be, there would be nothing in scripture that made a difference. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19 that death came as a result of one man. There was a man called Adam and, and death came in as a result of the fall, which was actually no surprise to God. God wasn't surprised that man fell because God was ready for it. God was prepared not only to create man, but God was prepared also to redeem man. Hallelujah. That just like an earthly father or mother would, would cross the seven seas to see their child touched and healed and saved and, and ministered to souls, so how much more would God do it? That God would want our lives to be transformed. Death came not as a result of a natural order. If you look in the Bible, death came as a result of the disobedience of man. Man was not created to die. And so let me show you from the scripture why. Because if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21 and 22. It says a very, very important verse. This whole process of creation. You know why the whole process of resurrection, believing in Jesus and resurrection and then the great judgment and then eternity ever after. That eternity ever after, you know, was the original plan of God when God created Adam. But then the fall came and today what we are going through is a redemption. Everybody say loud, redemption. So this season of our lives is a redemptive process of God and a redemption season in our life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 21, for since by a man came death. Who was that? Adam. By a man also came the resurrection from the dead. So it was through Adam that death came. Before Adam, death didn't come. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. You see, as a result of the judgment that God passes, on Adam and Eve, one of the judgments that God passes is that there was going to be, by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread till you return to the ground. Which means this hard work, this pharaoh kind of work you're doing day and night, day and night, day and night. I got good news for you. It's not going to be there in eternity. 
somebody said hallelujah <laughs> those of you that are working day and night non stop no hours i want you to know that's not god's order god's order is a godly order the bible says that throw that verse up please it says that you by the sweat of your brow that you are you will eat your bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken and you are dust and to the dust you shall return so this process of physical death was actually not brought upon us by god it was brought upon us by adam oh come on now come on now you ready for today this death was brought upon by adam the bible says god didn't bring it how do we know it because the bible says for by one man death came and what did god bring and by the second adam eternal life came hallelujah amen that god through jesus brought about a process that he can cancel and destroy the works of sin upon our lives that if this came through adam and christ brought resurrection that eternal life came through jesus the bible says in verse 22 it says in first corinthians 15:22 by sin a man came death by a man came resurrection from the dead for as in adam all die so also in christ everybody say in christ say in christ in christ which means in christ is the only hope for eternal life if any man be in he christ he is a new creation what does that mean that is not of adamic order come on listen to me now but you might say what was in adam human we are human yes he was human in the flesh but there was a new creation not of that sin nature order now that you receive christ that new creation is once again born again everybody say born again listen to me adam was born you and i are born again this is of a new order a new creation does a new creation have a past does a new creation have an adamic lineage come on somebody are you listening to me does a new creation have all the all 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 the all the all the bearings of what the curses that came upon adam no now some of you might say but even though it is there it we are a new creation we're not seeing all the deliverances why because i will tell you why because god has put a godly process in this regeneration there is a godly process that god has placed in the regeneration and that process will be complete it is started at the cross it will be completed at his return amen and in the process between the cross and his return by faith like abraham before the cross he saw the things and got born again by faith even we finally before the new jerusalem we will begin to more and more see things in our life by faith the things which are not naturally seen the things that are not commonly seen we will begin to more supernaturally see hallelujah that's why some people say this is not of natural order no this is supernatural in its order death came through adam but life came an eternal life this eternal life is a new creation life it is a supplanted life which means it is god's life in you it is god planting his life in you and him adopting you and me to become the children of god this is a unique doctrine of our christian faith the belief of the resurrection from the dead is not found in any other religious system with such great confidence and clarity nor there is a ray of light shed upon the future condition of man by any other scheme of philosophy or religion with absolute confidence what is there now there might be other concepts that after death you may be born in a different way you may be this you may be that but there is no confidence there's no confidence with which it is said why because the ones who said it are not people that came back from the dead hallelujah amen 
Jesus rose again from the dead. He came back and said, I was dead. I am alive. I am the first and the last. He who believes in me shall no longer die, but you shall have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I have eternal life. Say, I have heaven's life. Say, I am a new creation of a godly order. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that exciting? This is a unique doctrine of the Christian faith. And this Christian faith is designed by God to prepare us in this life to live in the light of eternity. That so much so that in this life, the Bible says that everything you do, you and I must live with such urgency, such urgency that the king is coming. So much so, the Bible says, that those of you, you that, that we work while it is day, because the night is coming soon. He's saying, you must understand that the time is running out. You must understand that the night is coming. But this doctrine was rejected, denied by the Sadducees. That's why they're called sad, you see. It was denied by the Sadducees. It was ridiculed by the worldly philosophers. It's all there in scripture. Acts 17, the philosophers ridiculed. Mark 12, 18, Luke, Matthew, all the Sadducees, they said it's not there. The Sadducees said it's not there. The philosophers of the world said that oh, everything they said is that we don't know what, you, what babbling you are doing. But Christ who came back from the dead, he resurrected one. This doctrine, even as the word of God teaches, Jesus clearly taught, he said, it, it, that, that you will resurrect from the dead. And why, how did he teach that? He said, he told the disciples, there's something I want to tell you. What is it? I am going to Jerusalem. There I am going to die on the cross. And then he tells them, ahead of time, he tells them, on the third day. Amen. On the third day, I will rise up from the dead. You see, it was almost like saying, I am going to pitch this entire Christian faith, kingdom faith, kingdom living on one thing, that you will see me resurrected back from the dead. And he said, because you will see that I have resurrected from the dead and no other faith claims that their, that their founder or their deity was crucified, that he died and he conquered death and came back. They can make no claim because they have made no claim like that. Except Jesus. Everybody say, except Jesus. You see, why is this resurrection of Jesus the foundation of the truth that we will be resurrected? Jesus said, you will be resurrected just as I was resurrected. I'll tell you why. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 19, some very, very important scriptures. It says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say that there is no resurrection? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if, then he says, if Christ has not been raised, then three things he says. Number one, he says, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then what we are preaching is a waste of time. He says, the second thing, he says, the second thing I want to tell you, if Christ is not resurrected from the dead, he says, then we are false witnesses. We are false witnesses. We are lying. And the third thing he says, if Christ is not resurrected from the dead, verse 17 says, your faith is worthless. Three things. He says, what we have believed is in vain. We are false witnesses. And what you're believing is a waste of time. That it is in vain. And this is why today I want to tell you beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus say, where in the Bible did Jesus say he has risen from the dead? The book of Revelations, it says, I was dead, I am alive. Hallelujah. Jesus rose from the dead. How do we know? You see, when someone has to claim that he rose from the dead, you see the way Jesus was crucified and it was documented was very beautifully, not by the Jews, 
not by the disciples, but in the presence of Roman law. And God saw to it, it was done like that. Why? Because the Romans had no feelings for a man who claimed to be a king in direct challenge to a Caesar. They said that the, see, Jesus was not crucified because he was a rabbi. He was not crucified because he was a good teacher. He was not crucified because he raised the dead or he broke the Sabbath. You know why Jesus was crucified? Pilate had one question for him. What was that one question? Are you a king? That was the only question. Are you a king? That's what they wanted to know. He said, we're not interested to know whether you are a savior or whether you are a Jewish rabbi or all of that. We want to know, are you a direct threat to Caesar? And the Bible says that Jesus looked at, at Pilate and Jesus said, it is as you say that I am. Amen. What did Jesus say? It is as you say. You're asking if I'm a king. My answer is, that's exactly who I am. I am nothing less. That's why they crucified him. So the Romans took him and crucified him. And I want you to know, before the Romans crucified, the detail that was put in, they looked at the thief on the left, he was dead. They looked at the thief on the right, he was dead. And uh, I mean, uh, he was alive. Both of them were alive. And that's why they broke their legs. So why did they break the legs of the thieves? Because the thieves, after some time due to exhaustion, out of sheer exhaustion of the crucifixion, they would use their legs to push their diaphragm up so they could breathe, to stay alive. And they came to Jesus and they looked. They said, oh, they were surprised that he died so quickly because he died in God's time to fulfill prophecy. They looked at him and he said, died so quickly. He cried out with a loud voice and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. They looked at him and they said, he died so quickly. And they said, don't break his bones. He's already dead. Which means we had a Roman army certification of his death. Hallelujah. Not a Jewish certification, not a disciple certification, but a legal Roman army certification. They took him off the cross. They brought him and they put him in a tomb. And if you know the Roman army, they would put around 16 men outside that tomb. Freshly cut tomb, stone rolled up there, and they put 16 men outside that tomb. So that these Roman soldiers, not Jewish ones, Roman soldiers would actually guard the tomb. The more you study the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus, the more you will be convinced that he crossed. No Roman soldier is going to let him take, get off the cross. Some people say, it wasn't Jesus. It was somebody else who died on that place. You know, because in those days, there was no fingerprinting. And, you know, there was, instead of Jesus, somebody else they put on the cross. Some people said they put Judas Iscariot on the cross. Some people said Simon the Cyrene they put on the cross. All kinds of theories have come. But I want you to know something. Uh, that theory, even as they said Jesus was put on the cross, they found that he had died. He had given up his spirit. They brought him down. Joseph of Arimathea picked him up. They took him and put him in the tomb. And they rolled the stone. There's a beautiful book I challenge you to read. It was called, Who Rolled the Stone Away? A man who stepped out to try to disprove the Christian faith. By the time he finished studying the documentary evidences, he finally said, all I can do is give my life to Jesus and let him be my king and savior. The Bible says that these soldiers stood there. And they put a seal on that tomb. If anybody broke that seal, the punishment for breaking that seal would be that they, the soldiers, would be executed. Which soldier in his right mind for a Jewish carpenter would give his life up? For a dead Jewish carpenter, which, which Roman soldier would do that? But yet the Bible says, the angel rolled the stone away and all these soldiers were thrown to the ground and they were frightened and, and Jesus rose up from the dead. They went and looked inside. Mary Magdalene went and looked inside and instead of seeing Jesus, an angel is, he's not here, he's risen. You see, it was, it, you, think if the, you think the soldiers would have just allowed somebody to roll the stone away? You think Mary Magdalene, a little lady of little strength, could push that stone away? But that's just not all. On the road to Emmaus, while the disciples were walking, suddenly they found another man walking with him in a transformed body. This was not the same body as a normal human would have. They were just walking and suddenly they see somebody by this. Hey, who are you? And they begin to talk. And he said, what are you so worried about? Oh, they said, our master Jesus, he's been crucified. And you know, he died. And, he, and they look at this man and say, are you the only one who doesn't know what all happened here? All of Jerusalem knows what's going on. Who are you? I said, oh, me. Oh, oh well, you know, let's keep talking. And they talked about Jesus. 
and they talked about its resurrection until suddenly their eyes were opened when they were breaking bread and they knew this was the master. You see, that's not all. You know what the Bible says? First, Peter saw him. After that, he appeared to the 12 disciples. After that, he appeared to 500. Everybody say 500. 500. After that, the Bible says he appeared to all the other disciples. There were many other disciples other than the 12. Uh, sorry, apostles. He appeared to all the other apostles. There were many other apostles other than the 12. And then Paul says, as though one born out of time, he appeared also to me. Which means he appeared to approximately 600 people. How many? After his resurrection. Now you think a man sneaking around, cheeky guy, wants to hide from everybody. You think he will come and appear to 600 people? He appeared to 600 people all around. And the Bible says, when Paul writes the book of Corinthians, he says, most of whom are alive even today. You know what that means? They said, if you took these witnesses, everybody say witnesses. You took these witnesses to a court of law and you gave each witness five minutes. How many minutes? Six fives are how much? 30. So if you 600 into five, that's like 3,000 minutes of eyewitness court testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. So if you had to bring these 600 people who saw Jesus to just testify about Jesus and give them five minutes, how many minutes? Five minutes each. One guy would come and say, Your Honor, They'll ask him, did you see Jesus resurrected from the dead? Yes, Your Honor. Where did you see him? There. How about that? How, when? How exactly? How do you know that was Jesus? He said, 100 questions. And, five, and he said, only five minutes. Next one. Next guy came. Did you see Jesus? Yes, I saw. How did you know? That was Jesus. And this went on. And this went on. Five minutes each. If you gave 600 people five minutes each, eight hour day, you'd be talking about a whole week, morning to evening, just people witnessing, we saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. In a court of law, there's no other way. See, why am I sharing this? Because the, because the truth is, unlike other faiths where there's mythology, in this faith, there was documented evidence. And as Paul is writing the scripture, he says, most of these 500 are alive even today. Amen. You know what that means? Do you know what it takes for a man to write down in a letter? Most of these 500 are alive even today. You know what that means? He says, you want to check it out? Check it out. Which other savior said, check it out? Hallelujah. But the greatest testimony of it all, the greatest testimony of his resurrection is a transformed life. Yours and mine. For we were once in darkness, but now we are born again. Hallelujah. We were lost, but now we are found. That Jesus, that he has come into our life. Look at somebody and say, he has resurrected. Come on. Look at somebody and say, because he lives, we live. Amen. If he is not going, he's not resurrected, you and I have no hope. So the Bible goes on to say that because Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep, for since through a man this death came, by a man also resurrection came. And in Adam all died, so Christ all will be made alive. But each one in his own order, which means there is an order for the resurrection. Firstly, Christ, the first fruits. Christ was the first one to be resurrected. After that, he says, the first, there are the first fruits, the people that were risen from the grave, they were resurrected. After that, the Bible says that we who are alive with him, that we are going to be resurrected with them. Amen, hallelujah. And the Bible says, 1 Corinthians, uh, in chapter 15, verse 26. Look at this. This is something you need to see. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 26. And I want you to read this together. It's powerful. Read it together. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. I got good news for you. I got good news for you. Evolutionary teaching and concepts and all these things are not going to continue forever. Because the Bible says that the last enemy that will be abolished will be death. Which means that, that there, is a, there, is a, there is going to be a power over death that Jesus is manifesting. And he is going to put everything subject to his feet. So if this is the truth that we all die, what happens to us when we die? Many people are afraid to die. 
not a child of God. Mm -hmm. Not a child of God. A child of God is looking forward. Amen. So many people are afraid. What will happen to me if I die? I'm growing old. I'm 40. Some of you are like, made it till 40. Some of you like 50, 60, 70. When now you're 80 and now, you know, almost on a ventilator. You're saying, take me home, Jesus. <laughs> but in your heart, some of you are still afraid. Young people, they live like nobody. They're not going to die anytime now. They're like, yeah, like, we're, we're here to stay, baby. We're not going anywhere. I want you to know, Apostle Paul said, if I am going to be here on earth, it is because I have work to do. Amen. If it is not for work to do, you and I have no reason to be alive here on this planet. We have no purpose. Everyone say with me, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're created for what? You're created for what? That means the reason that you're a new creation is to do the works of Christ. There is no other reason you and I are here on this planet other than to do the works of Christ. And if it's not for the works of Christ, you are a, a, a new creation created in Christ Jesus that's not doing the works of Christ or doing other things. So what happens? You need to know what happens so that you will know why we are alive today. The spirits of the dead are today in a place where the Bible calls the grave. When somebody dies, you know, we put the body in the grave. We call it the mortal remain. That's why when you bring the, the person's body, you know, uh, before a funeral is said, has the body come? You don't say, has Mr. So-and-so, has he arrived? No, he's not arrived. He's departed. What has arrived? His body has arrived. Amen. He's not here. He is risen. But we're kissing and saying goodbye to the body because our soul has a bonding with the body. And we have come from the body. And therefore, we are bonded to the body. We have an affinity. But he's not there. He's risen. The biblical passages, when you look in the Bible, you know, when we look, we are not very, very clear as to when we die, do we go suddenly uh, to the heavens or are we in the grave? Now, we would have heard both. There are two images in the Bible. One image in the Bible is when we die, we are in the grave until the great day when the trumpet sounds. Ba -ba -ba -ba. And then the Bible says to be absent in the body is to be. So here's my question. Are you in the grave or are you present with the Lord? The apostle John looked up in his revelation. He looks up into the heavens and he sees the spirits of the saints worshiping God. Wait a minute. Are they in the grave? Are they with the Lord? Or are they in the heavens worshiping the Lord? I got good news for you. There are linear passages in the spirit world. The moment you try to bring the spirit world into a time frame, you will struggle. Jesus did not say, I was the Alpha and I will be the Omega. What did he say? I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. Which means right now he is in the beginning and right now he is at the ending. Hallelujah. That means he's not bound by time. You and I are bound by time. Hallelujah. Which means he knows the beginning from the ending. How does prophecy work? God who is the beginning goes to a future point of time in reference for us, which is... No time for him because he's not bound by time. For him, time is linear. He's here, he's here, he's here, he's here, and he's there. Are you listening to me? Now, you might ask, how is that possible? That's possible because he's God. Amen. That's why it's possible. It's possible because he's the creator. In fact, it's very interesting. There is a theory called, the, you know, the fact that time is linear. If I'm not wrong, one of the great scientists... Uh, you know, they propose a theory about how everything is linear. We think, we think time is one after the other. But physics itself, they're thinking there are possibilities of linear proportions of time. If physics can think that, you think theology can't. Come on. When theology thinks that, you call it, oh, that's dumb. When physics thinks it, hmm, ingenious. When physics, uh, when theology says there's life after death, you'll say, oh, how can that be possible? When physics says, hmm. 
Do you know there was a study done, I read in the newspapers, on 2,072 subjects done by a secular university on people that had died and claimed that they had come back to life. 2,072. Now, that's not a small number. After doing that study, they concluded, this is the conclusion. They said, after doing that study, they concluded a few things. They said, number one, that the dead people who claimed they died had a keen awareness of everything after they died. They said that when they died, they felt their spirit or themselves separate from the body. And they could move, they could levitate, they could go around. And in fact, they said, some of them said, we could hear what the doctors were saying in the other room. Which means when you die, you're probably going to go past the doctor's room on the way up. And you're going to doctor say, he kicked the bucket. The guy is gone. Dushten. <laughs> you're going to hear that. <laughs> or you're going to hear whatever they say. But the Bible says there's a keen awareness. There's a keen awareness of what is going on. So are we in the grave or are we in heaven? The truth is that because of this linear proportions of time, the Bible says when we die, some conclusions the Bible reaches is that when we die, we are ushered into a new state. This state is scripturally called rest or sleep. What is it called? Rest or sleep. It says, for when we die, we sleep in the Lord. It is not called a death by the Bible. It is called sleep. What happens when we sleep? It is called a place of sleep. This is a time, not that we die. This is a time we are rested from our opportunity to work for the king until the judgment, great white throne judgment. From the moment you die till the time of the great white throne judgment, you are rested from working. Can I give you young people a, a parallel? A serious football match is going on, World Cup final. After playing for a while, some of the great players have played some great games and kicked a few goals. And towards the second end, they want some of the new strikers to come in. And some of the great goal scorers are rested. They say, you can go in. We'll bring another man out. You have been rested even though you played a great game. And he says, let another generation come out. Amen. But on that day when they lift the trophy, everyone together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The dead in Christ. Translated, the rested in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. The ones that played long, worked hard, sacrificed, gave their life up. Every one of them, they will first rise, the Bible says. The rested in Christ and us together. These rested in Christ are ushered into a state scripturally called sleep but that place is a place of rest yet yet that place of rest now some people think they're in the grave i got good news for you listen to me carefully the dead are not in the grave that you dug for them in fact some people go to the grave year after year thinking their their loved one is there the loved one's not there the grave is there the grave they made. But the grave the Bible talks about is not that grave. What is the grave? According to the Bible, the grave is Hades. It's the place of the dead. Which means the rested, departed souls, whether you walked with God or did not walk with God, are rested from your work. I got good news for you. You know what life we're living right now? First Thessalonians 5 calls this life daytime. What does it call it? Which means he says, while it is day, you can. For soon the night is coming. Which means the 70 or 80 years you have here on, in earth, or whatever number, is daytime, is your daytime. And he says, soon the night is coming when you cannot work anymore. When you are going to be rested until another day dawns. Amen. For those that have died, and for those of us that are going to die in the coming days, I want you to know those that have confidence in Christ, another day is going to dawn. Hallelujah. Amen. That is why we have so much confidence. 
in life today. We are with the Lord. No, we are all not dead. We are aware in that place. We are aware and waiting. But not confined by time. I got good news for you. You are actually more alive than we were here on earth. You know, Billy Graham said like this. He said when he was 92, I think he said like this. He, he said, one day you're going to hear the news that Billy Graham has died. He said, don't believe it. I would have just passed on to be with the Lord. He said, I would never have been more alive than I have been at that time. Hallelujah. I have never have been more alive. He says, don't think I died. I just came alive. Hallelujah. So when somebody dies in the Lord, that is why blessed is the memory of the righteous. Even their memory is good. Why? They have been given time out. Guys, time out, guys. You know, uncle so-and-so, pastor so-and-so, you guys have run for 80 years. Time out. Let the boys take over. Hallelujah. That is why we are raising another generation. That is why we are passing on what God has taught us. Hallelujah to another generation. That's why we are discipling our children. That's why we are telling them one life you have. Live it for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are aware. We are not confined by time. The dead are not floating around in limbo. They are not caught up in. What is that Ant-Man caught up in? Quantum. Yeah. Quantum what? Quantum realm. We are not caught up in quantum realm. Or maybe we are, I don't know. Maybe that's the place God sends some people. Quantum realm. Rest in the quantum realm. Hallelujah. You see, we're not caught up in an unknown place floating around in limbo. We are asked by God, your time is over. It's okay. Rest. Amen. Amen. That's not such a bad place. That is an exciting place when we know we have run well. Hallelujah. Amen. When we know we have run well, we are excited. Doesn't matter how long. What matters is how well. Hallelujah. And the dead are not sleeping in the grave without being able to hear anything. The Bible says they're rested, they're sleeping. But do you know even those who sleep, when you call them, they wake up. The Bible says one day, Jesus stood outside Lazarus' tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. The dead can hear his voice. Amen. Which means one day, the trumpet will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise up. They're not dead. They're sleeping. No other faith has this confidence. They have been timed out because another generation is brought into play in the second half. And I believe with all my heart, we are playing in the last fag end of the second half of this match. Amen. Amen. We are taking more ground today with our lives. And I want to challenge every one of you to live in such a way, redeeming the time. You know, somebody who play, what, you know, plays a match, some of you footballers are here, you know when you play a match, you know what you keep your eyes on? You keep your eyes on three things. Number one, you keep your eyes on the ball. Secondly, you keep your eyes on the score. Thirdly, you keep your eyes on the time left to play. Mm -hmm. In the same way as a child of God, we keep our eyes on the goal. We keep our eyes on the score. And we keep our eyes on the time. That's why Paul said this light and momentary suffering. Amen. Is nothing compared to the glory. Hallelujah. 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 The dead are in a glorious place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got good news for you. Those who have died in the Lord, the Bible does not say that they're kept in a deep freezer. The Bible says they who had slept in the Lord, absent in the body, is present with the Lord. 
hey, if you have died in Christ and you're present with the Lord, I think that's a great place. Amen. They have just gone back to the dressing room. They are probably watching the end hours of the or minutes of the game through the, through the big screen in the locker room. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, this is what the Bible says. It says in Hebrews 12:1, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, you know what that means? People that are watching, they're watching, they're saying, these are the last hours. Guys, don't live in such a way that you have nothing, you are, that you're comfortable and buying and selling and marrying and having kids and making money and saving. They're standing there and cheering. Come on, guys. This is the last hour. Let's do this. Hallelujah. These are exciting days. The Bible says, live in such a way that the last dying minutes, that we know what we are doing with our life. Some people ask, what if people who died, do you think they can respond to the gospel? The Bible says there is no purgatory. There is no review petition. There's one shot we have at life. Let's live it well. One shot at life. One shot at life. Look at somebody say, one shot. Let's do this. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Husbands and wives, if you're together, hold, look at, hold your hands and tell each other, let's do this well. Amen. Amen. Let's do this well. We have, we've got one shot at life. We've got one shot at life. There is no purgatory. There is no other doctrine that makes sense. So what happens if we are absent in the body and we are alive with God? What really happens? What's the sequence? We are absent in the body. That means we are unclothed with this corruptible body. We have slept in the Lord, which means we are rested from our work. We are present with the Lord in the spirit, 2 Corinthians 5.8. Those who are absent in the body is present with the Lord. We are awaiting a resurrection, which means we are not confined by time. We are simply standing by for that final whistle. Football calls it whistle. Kingdom calls it trumpet sound. Hallelujah. Therefore, the, the, with the shout of the archangel or the loud trumpet. We are awaiting a resurrection. And we are after that, we are awaiting the announcement of the score. That's judgment. What we did with life. The Bible says, those who lived for the Lord will go on to an eternity with Christ. And those who lived for themselves will go on to an eternity in darkness. We are awaiting the reward, 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7. It says, therefore, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. How many of us can confidently say, I have kept the faith? You know, many people think, I have kept the faith means, oh, till the last day, you know, he's Lord, he's Lord. No, that's not keeping the faith. Keeping the faith has been being faithful to the great commission for what you are on earth. Being faithful to the great call for what you're, why you're planted on this earth, that's keeping the faith. He says, I've fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which means the dead who are alive, who are aware, who are awaiting. Oh, come on now. Who are what? Alive, who are aware, and who are? Awaiting in the locker room, watching you guys playing the game in your season until you are timed out and say, let the boys come in. And I want you to know something. If you know football, they keep some strikers for the last fag end. Amen. And if we are living in the last hours, some of us alive, I believe God looks at us and says, these are some of my best strikers. Amen. Let us live it for Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give 100%. The Bible says they will be raised. Which means when we are raised, we're going to be raised in a prototype, prototype of the body of Christ. As Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits that have fallen asleep, they will be raised. They will be raised. First Thessalonians 4, I want you to look at 13 through 17. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 17. Amazing scriptures. It says, finally, brethren, then, we want you not to be uninformed. Everybody say uninformed. Which means constantly revisit the resurrection from the dead. That we are going to resurrect and what's going to happen. Don't remain ignorant. Because if you are ignorant, how you're going to spend your today and tomorrow and day afterwards is going to be affected by this. 
says, don't be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve. <laughs> Have you seen any footballer on the field grieve for the one who was timed out? <laughs> My brother, you know, while they're, they show the numbers and they switch players, <laughs> the, the substitute comes on, looks at the other guy, I'm so sorry. I feel terrible. You're going to the locker room. Have you seen anybody do that? You know what they do? They're waiting. They're waiting because they know. Listen to me. Listen to me. They know while they're warming up, somebody has to step out. Amen. And they know if somebody steps out, God is expecting somebody to step up into their role. Amen. If one man of God has passed away, God is looking for somebody else to step up into that place. Get out there because there's going to be a resurrection. The Bible says that, 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 that it says, for we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as though to the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those that have fallen asleep, which means the others will be resurrected. Verse 15. It says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, we will not proceed, which means we will not go ahead of those who have already died, which means we will not win, lift that trophy ourselves. <laughs> we will wait because before we go to pick that trophy. Verse 17. It's uh, verse 16. For the Lord himself. Read that together. Come on, help me. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Which means the king will come into the arena. He will descend from heaven with a what? With a what? With a what? Shout. Together, just shout, Jesus. So, see, just like we shout, he's going to shout. He's going to shout, my ecclesia. And with a shout and the voice of the archangel. You know what that's like? That's like, that's like the general in the army going ahead and shouting and saying, Charge! With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Bam! What sign is that? That's like an army. With a trumpet of God and at the sound of that trumpet, all the substitutes, like they run into a football field, all of them will run right in and they will celebrate together and they'll go right in because coming is the trophy giving away ceremony. Hallelujah. There's a celebration. The trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will what? What? Which means they're going to show up. Your dead grandfather is going to show up. Amen. Amen. All you saw was his own black and white picture. He's going to come in color. Amen. And he's not going to come in that. Oh. You know what the Bible says? Look at For we who are alive and remain will be what? Caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, naturally, we are so excited. We will be in the air. <laughs> in the air. So we shall what? Always be with the Lord. Philippians 3 was 20, 21. What does the Bible say about our bodies? That, that this body is going to be so changed. That we're going to have a different kind of body. A transformed body. Everybody said transformed body. What is this body? The Bible says, Philippians 3, 20, 21, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Who will, who will what? Which means your dead grandfather is not going to look like your dead grandfather. I don't know what he's going to look like, but he's going to look good. Some of you worried about the weight you're putting on, you're going to look good. Some of you losing your hair, you're going to look good. Amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to look good. Come on. Yeah, that's right. That's the truth. The Bible says, what is God going to do? He's going to transform us. That, that we will be transformed. Who will transform the body of our humble state into the conformity of the body of His? You know what kind of body? Now, some people say, you know, 
<laughs> Some people, they say, you must, you know, the dead body is that, that thread. You tied the legs and hands. Please re release it because when they rise up, Free the dude, man. I mean, I got good news for you. He is not rising with that body. Amen. Transform the body of our humble state into Jesus' resurrected kind of body. Did you see that? Transform the humble state into conformity which means our body is going to be transformed into the standards of Jesus' transformed body by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to him. What is this Jesus transformed body, glorified body? Everybody say glorified body. What is this glorified body? It's not your dead broken bone body. What is this glorified body? The Bible says the glorified body, this glorified body can talk. This glorified body can touch. Everybody say touch. Jesus touched. This glorified body can eat. Jesus came and said, bring the fish. You got fish, Peter? Bring it. This glorified body can, can go through walls, closed doors. The disciples were sitting inside a locked room for fear of the Pharisees. And Jesus comes through a locked door. Yo guys, what's up? He shows up inside a closed room. Glorified body can glow through closed doors. Glorified body can levitate. Which means like Jesus was on the ground. He lifted up and he went up into heaven. Glorified body can come back from heaven. Amen. What is this glorified body? It is a body for the another cosmos. It is a, it's a body that can be in heaven and on earth. Like the angels. Are the angels in heaven? Are there angels or not? The glorified body can be glorious here and there. Look at somebody and said, they're not dead. You know those dead people? They're not dead. They're more alive. They're more alive. So when we die and we're getting ready for the resurrection, the believers will be taken to the presence of His glory. And the unbelievers who challenge God will be separated from God's presence forever. The Bible says the rich man cried out to Lazarus, please, drop of water he's dead you know the, do you know the rich man and Lazarus do you know it's not a parable do you know it's not a parable the Bible doesn't say it's a parable Jesus said there was once a rich man and a poor man called Lazarus the Bible says that the dead in Christ first, the first fruits have risen and gone from the grave. Many of them are already in that place. Which place we do not know. But it is in the Lord. Amen. So those who rejected Jesus. Are going to go into an eternity without Christ. Our death is not the end of our existence. It is the end of our opportunity. To serve him. There will be a great white throne judgment. We will be given crowns for our faithfulness. We will be like the angels, the Bible says. Luke 20, 34, 35. We will not have marriages. We will be like the angels. We will not be married and given in marriage. We will be worshipping the king. And after this season, listen to me carefully. After the season, from the time your work is over, 
until the judgment, there's no work. Are you listening to me? After that season, it's take two. Come on now. It is what? It's take two. It is a restart from where Adam broke that eternal life. What does, what happens? Do you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, after the great white throne judgment, we are put back to work. You know how? He says, don't you know that you are going to judge angels? Oh, come on now. The faithful, everybody say faithful. Faithful. If you are faithful, I got good news for you. You got work to do. Work's coming back. But what kind of work? Not the Pharaoh kind of work. Not the sweat of your broke kind of work. Not the day and night slogging kind of work. But working for the king. Hallelujah. Representing the king. Working for the king. On his behalf. Like God told Adam. Tend the garden. In the same way, we will also have to work. What kind of work? The Bible says we'll be working for the king. We'll be doing things. We are not going to float through space in quantum realm. What is going We're not going to float through space and quantum realm. We're going to continue to work. And it begins by judging angels. Oh. Come on, now that's a serious job. That's a serious job. Don't be afraid of corrupt judges on this planet who part past laws for such a small time. Like this, that season is over. And when we stand before the king, these judges are going to have to stand before God. The Bible says they will be judged for every wickedness they have done. Amen. Look at somebody say, this light, momentary suffering. What kind of suffering? Momentary suffering. Momentary suffering. We'll be given responsibilities. And Revelation 17.4 says, we're going to come back as his army. Bible says we're going to come back as an army of the called. Throw it up for me. I know the scripture, but I want you to read it. Revelation 17, 4. 14. No, is that 4? Yeah. Come on, read that together. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them because He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings and those who are with Him are the Hallelujah. The Bible says many are called, few are chosen. But those that are chosen are all not going to be on that army. Mm. Every chosen one, some of you are, oh Jesus, thank you, thank you. Made it to heaven. Now you're not going to be on that army. So who's going to be on the army? Come on. Called, chosen, and faithful. You know what that means? To him who has, more will be given. To the one who had five, will be given five more. The one who had two, will be given two more. The one who had one, and he did and said, Jesus, you know, you know who I am. Jesus says, I know exactly who you are. No, you know I'm so weak. I'm so tired. No, 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 you're not weak and tired. You're lazy. Now, I just read this morning as I was coming, someone just sent me a text. I looked at it. It's such so beautiful. They said, there is one thing Facebook and Twitter is going to do for eternity. You want to know what it is? In eternity, it's going to be easy for God to find out whether you had time or not. Jesus, no time. I'm so busy, Jesus. No time only. Things are going getting easier. The Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And in this new heaven and new earth, the saints of God will be serving, working, worshiping. Like the angels, the sons of God are going to be in heaven forever and ever and ever. And ever, and the Bible says there's, there's no tears, there's no sorrow, 
there is no family problems there is no teenage issues there is no financial problems there's no sickness there's no disease there is no death hallelujah amen we are going to be with the king forever and ever and ever there is no old age there is no childhood foolishness we are going to follow the king and those of you that are raising children they are your children here on earth raise them well because when they get to heaven they're going to be your brother and sister i don't know why you suddenly went quiet you see that that desire to control you see that i need to control them fall in line in heaven they're not your you're not your children they're your brother and sister the children are so this cosmos so raise them well because when they get to heaven they're going to ask you you did a lousy job on me you just allowed me to do whatever i wanted you just <laughs> raise them train them in the ways of god because there is a coming judgment everybody say coming judgment and the truth of the resurrection of the body and the life and judgment thereafter will determine how we are going to live our everyday life every eye closed in the presence of god and if you know that till today you have not accepted jesus as your personal savior if you are not confident about your eternity right now this moment do not lose another moment no other faith no other no other way no other claim person has ever claimed that he was dead and he's come back alive with a solution nobody has filled the followers with the holy spirit in such a way jesus said i am going but in my place i will send the holy ghost he will fill you he will guide you he will teach you he will lead you he will speak to you there is no other faith like this faith if you have not accepted jesus if you are struggling in your sin If you're not confident about an eternity I want you to know it is appointed for man every man to die Hebrews 9:27 It is appointed for every man to die and then judgment And if you are not sure of your eternity right now repent from your sin give your life to Jesus pray with me right now Lord Jesus I ask you to come into my life I ask you to forgive me my sin The limited time I have on earth I want to live for you. I want to be a child of God. I receive the forgiveness of sin because of the cross. Today I want to be your disciple. I give my life to you in Jesus name. Those of you that are not confident about the works of the life you're living for God, I want you to know there's just a short time and soon Jesus is coming back. Every nation on earth, every king will bow his knee. Every ruler, every government, every person that lifts up their head in swollen pride will bow their knee before the King of Glory, and they will say, "He is the King of Kings, and He is the Lord of Lords." And every work that you and I do will be tested by fire—some stone, some silver, some wood, some straw, some hay. That which is done for the Lord will last. Father, we commit our lives, O oh God. This one life we have, we want to live for you. I pray in Jesus mighty name that we are getting ready oh God we are getting ready to go every day every day every day into a life of obedience and faith and we know father we are living in the second half of the of the extra time we are living in the last days oh god the bible says these are the last days and all the witnesses in heaven the crowd of witnesses a cloud of witnesses are cheering us on come on get ready so many are going into christless eternity so many are going into hell without the gospel come on go out and tell them that they don't have to die in hell that they can go to an eternity with jesus Jesus Christ let us rise up as the ecclesia of God let us proclaim this gospel let us tell others about this resurrection and the coming judgment that is coming father we commit our lives we say be glorified and like we sang oh god we surrender our lives this few days we have ahead of us few months and few years we are not moved by what we see we are not moved by all these world economic situations we are moved by what we hear from the holy ghost and there is an urgency in the spirit 
the king is coming soon. The king is coming soon. Let us live in such a way that we are ready and are prepared for his return. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said aloud. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Death has no sting. Amen. Death has no sting. Amen. The grave has no power. Amen. We are a resurrected body of people. Amen. We have a future. We have a hope. We have a confidence in Jesus Christ. Amen. We have the power of the resurrection, the Holy Ghost inside of us. Amen. Let us live it well in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship. Wow. Can we all rise up to our feet?